All right, hello everybody. Looks like got some sound going to OBS. We should be good there. Let's just get chats going here. I got we got. I see we got a baby Yoda over there in the chat. How's it going, C Grover? Happy Friday to everybody. Uh, Janisku, Janisku, like the baby Yoda there. Uh, all right, so a uh, quick introduction. My name is Tim, and I go by FoamyGuy on the GitHub and the Discord. Um, and this is the Adafruit uh, CircuitPython Deep Dive program. So I'm here still filling in for Scott, and we'll be working on CircuitPython-related stuff. Uh, to take a quick step back, though, if you might be new and you don't know what we're talking about, CircuitPython, this is a version of Python that runs on these tiny computers called microcontrollers. There's lots of different uh, shapes and sizes, you know, circles with alligator clips, the feather form factor, which a lot of them are. There's the Raspberry Pi Pico. There's some with displays built in. There's some with, uh, you know, radio antennas built in, all kinds of different shapes and sizes of these things. And we are writing some Python code that we can run on these little computers uh, to interface with other hardware. So, uh, you know, buttons, beepers, buzzers, LEDs, uh, radios, you know, e-ink screens, regular screens, touch sensors, um, pretty much any kind of little electronical widget that you can imagine, you can hook up to these microcontrollers and then uh, interact with using the Python code. So that's kind of, you know, the, the 50,000 uh, foot, foot view of what we'll be messing around with today. So how's it going uh, over there on YouTube, Beata and Gordy G? Happy Friday, yes, thank you. Happy Friday to everyone as well, Tammy and Paul uh, over on Discord. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Um, so, uh, yeah, CircuitPython again. Um, you can learn more here at circuitpython.org. It's an open source project. You can get involved uh, with contributing if you click the contributing link up here. You can also join us on the Discord, which I think I have down on the screen there. Yeah, adafru.it slash Discord. Uh, that's the Adafruit Discord channel where there is a CircuitPython uh, dev uh, room inside of there, which is where all of the development uh, occurs. We uh, coordinate through that Discord for the development. Uh, happy Friday, Bizarro Builds. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for tuning in here. Um, so do join us over on the Discord. Uh, if you want to help support the project, but you don't necessarily want to get involved in development, uh, another thing you can do is purchase hardware from Adafruit. This is their website here, adafruit.com. Adafruit is a hardware and software company based out of New York, and they are the ones who are primarily paying uh, the folks who are working on the CircuitPython project. So there's a team of folks who work on the project full-time. Uh, there's a couple folks like me who work on the project part-time, and Adafruit is paying all of us to work on the CircuitPython project uh, so, if you want to purchase hardware from them, then you are helping support, uh, you know, all of us working on the CircuitPython project, and we definitely do appreciate that. Um, they sell, you know, the microcontrollers themselves. They also sell all kinds of things that you can actually plug in and do with them. They also provide uh, the Learn system, learn.adafruit.com, where there are thousands of different guides and projects um, that go along with all of the hardware they sell. So. Uh, you know, browse the learn system, find a project that looks interesting to you. Uh, you know, this foot pedal looks pretty sweet to me. I think I may make me one of these things. Um, find a project that you like. You can go into it. You can find what hardware uh, you will need for it. Um, and then you can get that hardware uh, right on Adafruit there. Uh, and again, I'll just mention, uh, definitely do appreciate folks who purchase hardware from them. Um, oh, what is that fancy feather here in the chat? What do we have? This is from the string car M0. Supports custom one-off boards. Yeah, good point as well, uh, Seagrover. Let me copy the uh, link here. 
so a lot of these boards are produced by Adafruit and you can get them uh, at adafruit.com, but there's also even more boards. Uh, there are a majority of boards are actually produced by other folks. Uh, so this is a feather form factor device, uh, M0, so SAMD21 probably this is. Um, and this is made by community member C. Grover, who is over there in the chat. So yeah, uh, excellent point that CircuitPython, it's not limited to just uh, the Adafruit hardware. There is lots of other hardware, including uh, custom boards created by uh, members of the community, all kinds of interesting uh, devices that do run CircuitPython. Uh, hello from Arkansas, ShuttlePod, how's it going? Uh, let's see, today's been uh, been being patient with FreeCAD. I never did pick up Free FreeCAD. I tried, uh, I use OpenSCAD. Uh, I haven't used it for a minute, but I did learn quite a bit about it, and I would consider myself okay at it. Um, FreeCAD looked interesting, if that's the one I was thinking of. I don't remember for sure. OpenSCAD fit really nice for me because it's kind of like programming uh, shapes, and I am kind of a programmer by trade, so... Uh, it, it fit really well uh, with my brain, OpenSCAD, but it does have limitations for sure. Uh, Ali Noir over on YouTube, how's it going? Thanks for tuning in. Let's catch up the chat here. Uh, microphone sounds a little off. Let me check. We are not quite all the way up. I can bump it there. Let me check OBS as well. It's also a little far away, I guess. Is that in frame? Oh, it is. Yeah, let me scoot it out just a bit. Let's see right there. And I'll check. This one looks like it's all the way up here as well in OBS. Uh, thank you, though, for the heads up. Let me know if it does still uh, sound messed up. Python supports one-off boards. Yeah, so we made it up to there. Sounds okay to me. Sounds more distant and echoey than usual. Uh, could be that. Let me just double check. Yeah, we are definitely on the right microphone. Turn this down. I don't think that should affect it at all, but... A bit more distant and echoey. It's a little farther away, I would say, truthfully. I'll try to speak up a bit, see if I can't figure out uh, some settings for it. Looks like I'm peeking around yellows inside OBS. Uh, try CAD query one of these days. It's like OpenSCAD, but Python. Oh, that sounds pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, Python code would be, uh, would be super cool to integrate with. Um, it's interesting, the idea to me to integrate... 3D shapes with other APIs and things. So like the GitHub, uh, the GitHub commits, they release like the Skyline... Uh, Skyline model or whatever, you can download your Skyline and then print it if you want. Um, that kind of thing I think is pretty cool. Sounds okay on YouTube. Okay, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the heads up, folks. Multitasking today, listening to the stream, reading a book about unit testing with PyTest. I know how to do it, but I have to teach my team at work how to unit test, uh, so solidifying my understanding. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, I will say teaching is a great way, uh, teaching a thing that you have an understanding of, but maybe not, you know, like a full entire grokking of, teaching is actually a really good way uh, to understand it more, I find as well. So that's actually, that'll be a, a fun exercise, I, I imagine. Level is high enough, just sounds different. Sounds uh, normal now, suddenly switched. Could be like a compression thing or something. Uh, I don't necessarily have the, uh, the bit rate up or whatever. If it slows down, though, I could see that making it sound wonky for a minute. Sounds okay to me watching on the phone today. Oh, nice. Uh, thanks for tuning in from uh, out in the world, wherever you are. Um, so today we are going to follow up on something I started last week, which is, whoops, we don't want to go to MicroPython. Uh, we're going to, uh, follow up. Oh no, computer died. Oh, that's rough. Sorry to hear that. Teaching is a form of learning is why I stream. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, let's see. We want the PR from TileGrid contains. Yes, we want this. And I noticed Scott looked over this a couple of days ago. 
we got a couple changes, so we're gonna make these changes, we're gonna build it, we're gonna test it, and then uh, I'm gonna build something that uses this functionality. Um, to catch folks up, if you didn't catch last week's streams, this is um, functionality adding a function called contains to the tilegrid object. Tilegrid is like uh, one of the base objects for display.io. Uh, so when you wanna put a bitmap on the screen or something like that, um, you put it inside of a tilegrid or, or you, know, you kinda put it with a tilegrid and use that to show it on the screen. Um, if we have a tile grid contains, it's going to take a x, y coordinates uh, touch point, and it's going to tell us whether that touch point is inside the tile grid or not, which is helpful for writing code that says, you know, like when the user touches on this button, you know, we want to run some code to do something, right? So this is the code that's kind of making it easier for us to do that. Of course, we could still figure it out uh, using, you know, the X and the Y and the width and the height and all that, but having this function makes it uh, much nicer. We don't have to write nearly as much code in the Python layer to do it, so that's what we're trying to do. How's it going, Mark Gambler? Thanks for tuning in. I have a friend who's a surgeon, and he said that's why the paradigm in medical school is see one, do one, teach one. I like it. One, do one, teach one. Uh, okay, so we're gonna, let's see couple small things looks like Scott says uh, boolean zen so I think this is uh, I, t I took a look over these last night but I figured I would go ahead and do them on the stream today looks like basically this is just don't use the uh, don't use the if else uh, but instead just return the value uh, return the boolean expression which we currently have in the if else um, which is backwards a little bit how my brain thinks about it, but is is all right, and we'll definitely take definitely take whatever Scott likes. I do. Th I guess it is kind of nice that it that it compresses it down, and then we do have the three. I like the way how we do still have basically just well, we have four conditions essentially. We have greater than the x and then less than the x plus the right edge, uh, which we must have, I guess, calculated above somewhere, probably. Okay, so we'll collapse that. It is less code, which is nice as well, for sure. Doesn't need any, uh, I guess that would be Python, probably, that has the slashes at the end of the line there. Uh, fix our sentence there, return with a capital R. We can do that pretty easy. Okay. Actually, those are the only two, so that should be pretty straightforward. Um, we do need to get back to that branch, which is going to be... That branch, which is... I don't know why it doesn't load all these the first time I open this. I feel like it used to do that. Of course, this is also C-Lion, which I have used much less. Uh, let's see here. Let me catch up on the chat a bit as well. Similar, if you look at pilots, uh, a lot of the, a lot get their commercial license, and while they're still taking more training, they start teaching. Exactly, explaining a concept to someone else forces you to take all the things you take for granted about it, make them explicit. Yeah, that's a really good way to say it. That's um, a really good way to express that idea. Yeah, teaching to learn is essential for musicians as well. Nice, great way to build mastery in any field. Yeah. Totally agreed. So we should have, um, is it not in this repo? I mean, we could always check it out. That's the thing. It's in a PR, so there is a remote branch for it. 
I think it probably was in another copy of the project, the CircuitPython project on my computer. I have a couple at this point. Uh, what is the branch name? We can just check it out. Branch name. It is TileGrid Contains. That's a pretty good name. Uh, FoamyGuy TileGrid Contains. Check it out. Uh, we have these things which are unrelated. This is for something else I'm working on. We have not added them. They're kind of like pasted into the repo here, but they're not added into the repo with git, git add. They're not added, so they shouldn't, shouldn't get pushed when we do this, uh, which is fine. We can just kind of pretend they're not here for now. Clear. This should show us the branch name. TileGrid contains... And this stuff is at where? Let's see, this is at uh, TileGrid, inside shared module, around 350. Let's do this thing. Uh, Tammy taught me this thing. Tammy in the chat, thank you again for this thing. The, uh, what do they call these though? I did forget the name of what they actually call them. Uh, doesn't say here either. I was thinking it would say what it is. They're like project views. They're like, uh, I don't know, I forgot the name, but basically you can, uh, Choose the files that are most important to you in a given context. Maybe they're called contexts? I don't know. Somebody will put it in the chat, maybe. Uh, but these things are awesome, uh, and I've made others of these in some other projects for work and stuff. So thanks, thanks again for this tip. This was really cool, uh, whatever these are called. Um, this one is for display stuff, which is helpful because TileGrid is inside display stuff. So it kind of filters down the files so it's a little more manageable because like the project is kind of big, honestly. Um, so this helps it feel a little smaller and gets you down to, you know, just the specific stuff you're interested in, you know, for a given task or whatever. Uh, sounds good. Thank you. Sounds okay. Appreciate it. JetBrains scopes. That's the word. JetBrains calls them scopes, which is, I guess, a pretty good, pretty descriptive name, but it is tough because, like, it gets potentially confused with scopes of programming. Um, but they have that kind of, uh, they're just going to have that problem of, like, because their subject matter is programming, parts of their interface might be uh, a little bit confusing because of it, because you have to kind of wonder if it's ambiguous, like does it refer to your program that you're working on, or does it prefer, refer to the program that it's in? Uh, 350, I think it said somewhere around there, 350. Yeah, so here's our if statement. Uh, and so we're basically saying, Instead of it, we just want to return, I think it's the exact same expression, right? Git does not show it. Git kind of takes them all as lines. I guess it doesn't have the parentheses either, which makes it a difference. Yeah. So that's actually pretty easy. It's the same expression. So we're basically just taking this out of the if and doing return it instead. Let me get rid of this. Okay. And we'll do the other one while we're here as well, and then we'll make a build, we'll test it, we'll do all that kind of stuff. Uh, Boolean Zen, apparently, they call this. Boolean Zen, returning the expression instead of using the if statement. This one is up in the uh, doc strings, 320-ish, 6. Well, that can't be right, though. It's in shared is, uh, bindings, this one, shared bindings. If condition return true, else return true is the same. Yeah, return condition. I tend to prefer that, too. Okay. I can, uh, I'm sure I could probably grow to uh, 
to use it by default. I do probably, if I just, well, I did just sit down to write the code, and I definitely default to, um, to doing it with the if-else, but uh, I bet you I could probably learn to, uh, learn to love it uh, this way a little better. Let's see. It is uh, more, I guess, succinct, maybe, is the word. Where's returns here? Isn't this... Oh, we're not quite down far enough. Turns. So is that the only change there? Returns, oh, capital T, true, capital true. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess we would want it capital because it's kind of referring to Python true, even though it's in, even though it's in C and it's actually returning lowercase true as a concept. That's kind of interesting. If first two, if the, should it be the? If, if first two values, it should be the, I think, right? If the first two values in touch tuple represent an XY coordinate inside the tile grid, rectangle bounds, period. Also, we don't have the period. True if the first two values in touch tuple represent an XY coordinate inside the tile grid. Tile grids? Tile grids? Colorful, colorful Rado. How's it going? Love the factory from uh, Colorado. I think I missed it up there. Yeah, how's it going? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, always appreciate the, uh, the mountain presence. I expect the compiler to optimize it the same anyway. Not that you could accept the change. Oh, really? Accept the change in, this, in the PR? Oh. Wow, that's actually pretty cool. I did not know that. Thank you for the... Was that Neradoc? Thank you for the tip, Neradoc. GitHub. That GitHub is... Uh, Awfully helpful. So we can actually, yeah, we can just optional extended. So this is the commit message title, they call it apparently. Um, return expression instead of if. Commit changes. No, yeah, I totally did not know that. That's actually really cool. I'll make this one and push it, because I do want to add the... And maybe tile grids. Does it feel like this should be tile grids? Inside the tile grids rectangle bounds? Just tile grid. I guess it's singular. It's like a single instance, right? Maybe, it, yeah, it probably should be singular. But I guess the S was possessive, not... Not pluralizing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know grammar very well, truthfully. Let's see. But it's returning a bool, uh, not the word. So the cap should match the language. Um, ordinarily, I would say yes. Ordinarily, I would say yes. The thing is that because the language we're writing, uh, well, the language we're writing is C, but the program we are writing is essentially a program that parses and executes Python code, and this documentation here is actually going to become, docu or I should say, this comment here. While it is a comment currently inside of a C program, 
it is actually going to get stripped out and it's going to become the doc the documentation for the python code um, so folks are going to expect this to be what it's called in python or what it is in python um, good question and yes ordinarily i would say the comments within a program it should keep the same syntax for those like cardinal values like true false and that stuff uh, but in this case there's that extra layer of like this program is actually kind of writing python um, and the docs get get used at that level uh oh scurs over in the uh the colorado as well nice i need to get back out there again it's definitely uh definitely an amazing place i do like hanging out on the mountain in the mountains i should say really uh, let's see. Compiler optimizing. If that optimizes, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I guess we'll just leave that singular. Uh, but I do think the should be here, so I will commit it from here and push. Uh, true if the first two values in... There might be... Is there a way to do... Um, is there a way to do these? Like... Um, <clears throat> I don't know what is that just code highlighting right is there a way to make this come through as a uh really there is probably right it's gonna just be sphinx uh sphinx syntax is that i don't actually know what sphinx syntax is though do any of the rest i guess maybe some of the others don't although these do say true in lowercase on some of them I don't necessarily want to change too many things with these commits, but I do actually, for all the reasons we talked about, I think uppercase would make sense, probably. Let's see any that do have the... Um... Syntax, like code syntax stuff in it. We'll leave them without. Let's see. Uh, and if it's me rewriting the doc strings in the core, I would make like five mistakes trying to get the format. Yeah, Sphinx is uh, Sphinx is just generally picky, and then when you add this layer of like, it's, it's not only like just directly into Sphinx, but it's also like in comments in C code. It's it can get tricky, tricky for sure. Sphinx docs has its own thing, I believe. Single backticks are for uh, links to other items, but even though I had to fight uh, fight with it to get what I wanted to in the support matrix. I don't quite understand everything. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, second that. I definitely, there's a lot about Sphinx that I don't quite grok um, in terms of its syntax. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a weird version of Markdown. Some things are sort of Markdown-like and other things are, end up being different. Let's see if we can find real quick Sphinx. Um, code highlight? Code highlight? Source code. So we don't want the full example though, right? We don't really want to embed, like this is what we want, highlight. Highlight directive. Mm, I don't know, these feel like they're like headers or something. I want like the word highlight on this page is. Doesn't feel like what this page is actually telling me. Fragments latex. Start after and before. This is like include code blocks, like these yellow blocks. Not quite what we want. 
reading. Yeah, that's at the paragraph level. Uh, I, what I want is like meta. I want, because I'm sure like this page is probably built with Sphinx. Actually, this is just like a, this is maybe just a totally other thing though, right? Chip, chiplicity? I don't even know. Didn't realize that wasn't just about Sphinx. Inline syntax highlight. Oh no, extension. Maybe it doesn't, but these are like this, right? It must support that. Python? This one has some backticks. Like installing a library, though. Let's try backticks and see if we can build it. It's not the end of the world, either, if we don't quite get it um, to do that. That's, like, kind of cherry on the tip. Uh, double double backtips. Double, double back... Double back ticks. That's a tough one. Uh, let's see here. It's not marked down. It's restructured. Okay, RST. RST. Double back ticks uh, for simple highlight. That's not a link. Sorry. Yeah, I was uh, got zoned in there and missed a couple of folks. Thank you. Appreciate all of you. Find RST much less obvious than markdown. Yeah, I agree. My brain. It's probably because I use markdown more to some extent, but I do like markdown does feel more natural. A lot of the syntax in there feels like. This is how I would do it if I was just guessing um, and, and not knowing. Okay, nice. Nice. We will build, too. I think... Uh, how do, is, it, is there, like, a make, make docs or something? How do the docs get built? Oh, no, this is showing Red X. Maybe it just has the wrong... Oh, no, pre-commit failed. Okay, well, we'll make sure to run the formatter and stuff, uh, which is helpful, because I'm going to commit one from mine as well. Does it say in here about the docs? No. I think it's the same Sphinx command, but is it... Well, no, it can't be, because it's got to, like, pull it out of the C code. Make HTML, that's right. Is there a, like, make list all the commands? Is there, like, a make help or something? I guess make help would probably be it, right? Make help. Does that list all of them? It does. Okay. I don't use... I mean, I use Make, I guess, a lot to build CircuitPython and stuff, and I've used it in other projects, uh, but I don't know... I never, like, formally learned Make. I kind of, like, find a Make command that does the thing I'm trying to do, and that's the one I use. It's kind of the only level I have. There's actually quite a bit, I wonder. should go through one of these days and look at what all these things do. EPUB. So it makes like the book of the docs, uh, like an ebook style docs page. Crazy. Single large HTML file. Oh my goodness. How big would that be? That would be a lot of text, right? That would be crazy. Make HTML. Oh, just make by itself will give you that even easier. Make tab. Oh, tab completion. That's a good idea. Error. Mixgo cplib. Mixgos. Oh, not found. Mixgo cplib. Maybe I need fetch submodules. Oops, this is a dash. Oh, but tab. Oh, tab completion. I don't think I realized that that would tab complete. I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't, but. For some reason, that never crossed my mind, actually. I think I type that out every time, and I probably will never do it again. <laughs> now that I know that it tab completes. Uh, in Sphinx, make by itself shows you help. Uh, normally, it runs the default action. Okay. 
Well, that's working. I'm going to see. Is this cable plugged in? Try not to ink the hub off the desk here. Yeah, it sure is. Okay. I think I got some code on the uh, Pygamer here that I might pull off. So after we update this PR, the thing I want to do is work on a um, little slide puzzle. Anybody ever play with a little slide puzzle? Like this kind of thing, where it's got a picture, or I, I mean, it looks like there's some with numbers as well. Maybe even the original ones. I think this is based on like an old old school toy game thing that might have been this numbered one. Uh, but the idea is basically the same with the picture. Um, it's like a, well, this one's 4x4. Four four. For some reason I was thinking 3x3, three three, but really it could be any grid size. And it has a, an image, or it has the numbers and the colors and stuff like this. And there's one slot open in the grid. There's one open square, and you can, like, you shift them around. So, like, you know, on this smiley face, you could shift this one to the left. You know, you could shift this one up, and you could shift this one over, and they all scoot around. Um, this, I want to make this kind of thing out of a tile grid. And actually, I did already make one. Uh, I made it on the Pi Gamer. Uh, but I want to do it on the Pi Portal because I think this touch, uh, this contains function, this is like a, what I think will be a relatively easy example project that will show off like how to use this contains function, like one way to use it and one thing to use it for. So I think that'll be a, a cool thing to make. Touch interactable, one of those. We'll get a nice Blinka, Blinka picture in there. Those puzzles are uber, uber fun. Yeah, I like them. Let's see, note how help doesn't show you submodule sync command. For fetch submodules, I think it did on the top there because it was added there, but wasn't added to help. Some clever awk code I recycle in my own make files that generates help automatically. Oh, that's cool. I do like that. Generate. Tools that generate documentation automatically are really, really good because sometimes people don't dedicate time to documentation. And if you can, like, automatically generated documentation, it's probably not going to be as good, right, if somebody actually curate, you know, curated the documentation together. But, like, something is better than nothing. And if you have an automated tool that can do it, like, you know, all right, it can give you something that's decent, that's a, a huge step in the right direction. Uh, 1 to 15, been around since the early 1900s. Dang, that's crazy. Early 1900s. So the numbers, I think the numbers and the colors was like the first one, right? The white and red. Or, I mean, it could be any two colors, I suppose, right? Like, this looks like a fancier one, even. Um, be interesting to 3D print one of these things, too, maybe. Parsing make files with aux sounds like a challenge. Definitely would be challenging for me for sure. I haven't used awk very much. Use a special comment on, uh, to, on the make target, nice. Did I pip install? I Maybe not. Um, did this fail? Yeah, I guess this did kind of fail, didn't it? Or Yeah, well, build finished, but with problems, error one. Um, is that in the root or? The requirements doc. Fuck yeah. 
Um, I mean, I'm sh well, I would assume I probably have somewhere along the way, but I have no idea when. Oh, that's wrong, right? Stash R or something? She probably put in there. Yeah, you did. Already satisfied. Didn't see the whole list. It might have got something. A math plugin used. Um, yeah, maybe for uh, uh, Microlab, possibly. Actually, no. Oh, I feel like we got further. Maybe not, though. We get all this stuff? There's so many pretty colors on this thing. I like terminal stuff that outputs nice colors. I guess maybe we got this. This does. This part of it does look familiar. I mean, it looks like we're getting pretty far, though. We're writing index pages. We've done 90% of them. Let's get to the end there and then fails. MathJax config. Not work for the current MathJax version. Use MathJax 3 config instead. Is that like a is that a pip thing, MathJax or well let's look in that file. We'll go back to here, see everything. Arm and stock. Math? Math? No math. Possibly I need to just update something like, I don't know, NumPy? Feels like NumPy might be a thing. It's just a warning. Maybe a thing was updated whose version is not pegged. Yeah, that was going to be my thought. Was maybe I have, I have an older version of whatever it is installed. Let's check. Where does it actually build, though? Because if it did build the pages, then it's also fine to have a warning. I don't care that much. Uh, is it just index or docs? Index. Um, oh wow, look at that. Choose a browser. Firefox? Well, nice try though. I appreciate the effort. Link. Oh no. We did this before, didn't we? This feels very deja vu. This Firefox, it doesn't let me open local files. Oh, that is so unnecessary. I think I could just do run, actually, and this would, like, spin up a server. It's really not what I want to do, but... Oh, and we probably just killed the chat there. Let's copy this. That back. Hopefully that fixes the chat. Are we good now? Yep, looking good. Okay. Let's put this one over here. There we go. So tile grid is going to be what we want. Tile grid. Display. Tile, display IO tile grid. Tile grid. This. Uh, two matches. Oh, grid. Hidden. Height, weight, width, transpose, bitmap contains. It did, yeah. 
Double, and I think we were on double ticks, so thank you. I think Shippu or whoever uh, mentioned that, appreciate it. Double ticks on there, looks like it did. Can run Python. That's true, yeah. Python, I actually use that quite a bit. Uh, Python, um, HTTP.server, something, Python3H-M, HTTP.server. I, I use that one quite a bit. I used it back in the Python 2 days quite a bit as well. I had to learn a new command when 3 came along. Uh, using a, a version of this, but with some customized ANSI color codes. Auto-documented makefile. Take a look at that. I've never actually made a makefile. Link address. I think it's just a warning. It ends in an error, though. Yeah, it does Does look like it ends in an HTTP.serve. Oh, that one's different than the one I've used, I think. HTTP. Or HTTP.server? It's .server? I don't know, now that I'm actively thinking about it, I don't actually know <laughs> which thing I type. But I do, like, I use the same one every time, and it comes right to me when I actually need to use it. Interesting. I should, I should look more into make. It looks like it can do lots of interesting stuff. As far as, like, making a CLI to um, build stuff for you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing this. Yeah, I do like that. That's definitely a really nice auto-generated thing there. Like, if it's that or nothing, this is, like, super nice. Self-documented makefile. Oh, there was one in the next thing down. Dang it. I scrolled up and up and up looking for an, uh, an example of one, and there was actually an example in the next one down. Seriously, the next one. Oh, okay, no, actually, they're out of order. Okay, wasn't actually. In the finished page, it's the next one. I feel better about that then, actually. Slice, it must be down here, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Same thing, okay. Uh, anything else we want? Oh, we do want to run pre-commit. Oh, pre-commit, though, I don't run it anymore, right? We use uh, pre-commit install, which it should be installed. Is there a way to check if you have ran pre-commit install? Could just run it every time. I guess there's is there's probably not a downside of running it again, is there? Check if pre-commit is installed. See, I find this hard too, because this is gonna be like if I have installed it like with pip, probably install is just a verb that's already used. Pip install. I think we just run it again. Right? There's no harm in running it again. Pre-commit install install that and so then if i go to make a commit it will run it for me we'll check my changes here returns true if the and period at the end and then also some formatting on that return i think yeah it looks like pre-commit clang or whatever the c formatter oh no i Oh, no, no, I didn't forget that. That's part of the change, right? Because it was the parentheses. We should run it, too, though, before we commit, I guess, right? We should make sure it actually works. Uh, make board uh, pi portal titano clean j4 
Alright, we'll make sure this works. Let's plug this in. Oh, I gotta get this plugged in too as well. Let's see, let me catch up on the chat here as well. Instant PWD HTML server. Changed in Python 3. Yeah. That's what I, I remember. That took me a while to learn the new command. I had it memorized for years and years with Python 2. plugged in. Oh wow, look at that. That was actually kind of fast. 33 seconds it took to build that. Dang. And I did a clean before that? Did it actually clean? That's pretty crazy, actually. Uh, okay. So then let's get to boot pie. Or boot portal boot, I guess this one is. CP build firmware media? Mm -hmm. Portal. Yeah. Copy that. Uh, I use makefiles uh, for fiction writing. Interesting. Write in Markdown and or LaTeX and have makefiles to build the PDF and eBooks. That's a really smart idea. I like that. I use, um, I don't have a makefile for it, but for a, uh, a work project, we do all of our documentation in Markdown and then we use... Uh, Python tool called mkdocs. I think it's Python. I run it with Python, at least. Um, we use a tool called mkdocs. I know that's the name of it. And it builds the markdown file. It's kind of like Sphinx in a way. It builds the markdown files into HTML pages. Um, and then those get served alongside of our, our system. Uh, and I have a Python script that I run that builds it, but nothing as fancy as make. That would be a good spot for it, though. That might be a good place for me to learn about it, is uh, re-implement that part of it. Used to use makefiles in place of source management program. I had a command that would tar gzip the current source uh, with a date and a name before there was GitHub. I'm guilty of, uh, like, Dropbox was my first... Um, like, source management version control thing, because they had it would keep a history for you. And it was all just automatic, and I used it on multiple computers, and I just did put my projects in there, and it synced it across for me. Uh, it's definitely not anywhere near as nice as actual version control, but it got me by for quite a while. The other make files in CircuitPython run all by default, and you can run uh, more than one actions at a time. So you can do... Oh, interesting. Okay, so you can just always get clean builds by adding clean all at the end. Interesting. To do all by default. Does it have to go in that order? It feels like the clean should come before the make, but does it go in reverse order or something? Um, let's see, we got this installed. Let's go to our device thing here. Am I caught up too? Yeah, we're caught up there. Okay, uh, let's get this. And... See, no idea what would what would be in code pie right now. It's like nothing on the screen. Oh, is the camera working too? Kind of doubt it, right? We're having trouble with the camera some sometimes these days. Page is working. Browser gonna crash on me. Yep. Let's see if we're gonna get it. Hopefully, we'll. Uh, hopefully, it'll. 
It's been coming back to me after I kind of just relaunch it a couple of times. It's not not a good place to be, but could be worse, I guess, if it didn't work at all. Okay. Turn the light on or whatever if we need to later, if it's like too washed out for us, but this is good for now. I've been, last couple of streams, I've been trying to keep the camera in its own window over here, so I'm getting a little bit better at juggling with it uh, to actually go back to it correctly when that's what I'm trying to do, but not quite all the way there, so I'll try it. I'll keep up with that today. Let's see, make uh, board clean all is equivalent to make board clean, make board all. Oh, I see. Okay. Board clean. Semicolon make board all. It's not clean all, it's clean and then all. I see. Cleaning after all makes no sense. I see. Cleaning after. Oh, let me check what this says. Uh, one second here. Let's see. This is going to be over here. Okay. Sorry, slight delay. This has uh, been the first week of uh, new developer at work. So I'm the lead and was for just a little while there the only developer. Uh, so we got another got another developer back. I had a partner for a little while, uh, but she left us. And then this was the first week of the new developer. So I've been working very, very closely with him uh, to get him up to speed. He's checking in with me there. How to publish HTML docs on the internet, assume SharePoint or Microsoft Shop. Uh, so I don't know, I can't really tell you too much about SharePoint or Microsoft Shop. I don't know really anything about either of those two things. Uh, publishing HTML docs on the internet, though, is actually, it's relatively straightforward. I will say what you need is a computer with a, um, you need a computer with a public IP, right? So you can, like, usually people will pay for either hosting or server, uh, or something like that, and it will come with a public IP. Uh, and then you can put your HTML on there, and then there's actually lots of different programs that will serve it for you. There's also services that will let you host it uh, without you needing to care about what program it uses, right? They'll just have like an upload thing for you to put it. Um, actually, speaking of, you can actually use, if your HTML, uh, if it doesn't have, I mean, it depends what it does. There are pages that won't work like this, but Static HTML pages, you can host them in GitHub. Uh, like, for instance, um, well, I mean, circuitpython.org, right? Uh, I think. If not circuitpython.org, definitely awesome circuitpython. Circuitpython.org. I'm pretty sure this gets hosted inside of GitHub. Like, it just, the HTML is in a repo 
somewhere on a branch and it loads this page for us. It's got a, you know, a URL that, that like redirects it there, you know, but I think that that's GitHub. If not this one, definitely awesome circuit Python, which I don't know. Is that the right address for it? Python or that one may even be a GitHub address. Oh, this is the repo. There's a page too, though, isn't there? I think there's a page. Am I misremembering that? I feel like there's a page. Is it linked from here? Awesome. Here we go. Oh, okay, it's on, it's part of circuitpython.org. Okay. But it is a static HTML page, and I'm, I am pretty sure it's served on GitHub. I don't know the exact place or branch where it comes from, uh, but I believe that this type of static page is all served on GitHub. So that's one way you can do it as well, which is nice because GitHub is free uh, for public projects up to some point, which a point I haven't hit. So definitely free for a lot. I have a lot of repos on GitHub. This way I found, unfortunately, is do PDFs. Yeah, there's lots of, uh, lots of devices have PDF support, even though it's kind of a weird closed thing, sort of. Microsoft sells SharePoint like it's an application. Yeah, use my repo. Yeah, that's what that's what I've done for like basic stuff is just host it on GitHub. Like, um, you want to share that? Yeah, I can share that. Uh, teach links. XYZ. This is like ugly basic page, but this is a static HTML page and it's hosted in GitHub. I use this page of links uh, for some classes that I teach sometimes. Yeah, that's what it is, pages.github. That's the exact service that that uses. Yeah, thanks for the link there. You know, it's, I mean, it's Microsoft server infrastructure is just generally hostile. Well, I mean, that's true. I, I will say though, I mean, like there are so many faces to Microsoft, right? Like GitHub is also Microsoft at this point and GitHub pages works pretty good for hosting that kind of stuff so um it's not like maybe microsoft proper i would grant but um there are different facets of it and i think just different tools are going to be better or worse for different things and amongst their vast profile of stuff there are some that are going to be pretty good for that and there are some that are going to be pretty annoying for that probably Uh, let's see here. So we need to test that with, we should have, I think there's like just tile grid touch test or something, right? Probably. Well, it's going to be not in here though. It's going to be device workspace. Uh, tile grid contains test. That sounds, sounds promising. Yeah. Purple bitmap. Put it on the screen, put it somewhere. Tell us if we're touching it or not. That sounds, that sounds like what we want. Let's copy that. Put that in CodePy. What is in CodePy? We have um, raw sample stuff. This was testing for um, the brightness PWM thing. It's not quite the exact, is it? I don't know. I guess there's a compare in here. See how close it is to this. 
Okay, it's pretty close. Just the comments are the only difference, pretty much. Okay. So we'll just keep the other one. We can just erase this. We don't need this. Instead, let's get this one. Tile grid contains. Put it in there. Save it. Back to our camera. There's our flowers, which are purple in real life, but looking a little washed out there. Not too bad, though. Where is the list today? Oh, right over there. So we'll need the printouts as well. Repl, like right here, maybe. We can touch on that. Let's see what we get. Touching flowers, nice. Doing good. And out there, we get outside, 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 outside. Eventually, touching flowers. Looking pretty good to me. I think another good uh, basic example of this might be like drag and drop, like have a tile grid that you touch and move it around. Just stays on the screen, but beyond the bounds of the screen, or I should say within the bounds of the screen, it can just move around anywhere. see here github pages uh, is available for private repos with paid github pro enters uh, enterprise subscriptions yeah i don't i can't tell you too much on the private repos that part of it i don't have any experience with all mine are uh all mine are public repos but like in general and there's exceptions microsoft products uh, which they acquired tend to be more user-friendly than those they develop themselves yeah i would probably agree with that for the ones that i use as well yeah, I don't find, um, I mean, at this point, I guess the only one of theirs I use directly is Teams with any regularity. And it's definitely not my favorite, uh, not my favorite program to interact with by a long shot. Um, so it looks like everything is fine here. We will do the pre-commit, but that should happen automatically when we do actually make the commit. So we tested this out and it does still work. We're going to go to make our commit. It put in an extra line or something here. Oh, actually, I never pulled. Let me pull that change that we did on the page. Yeah, that's what we want, actually, because we want to take the change from GitHub for that part of it. I'll just do take remote if it has a conflict. Touching? What are we doing here? This... It does like push to that branch, right? I'm misunderstanding how that works. Yeah, it looks like it did. Okay. Oh, it's going. Branch protection rules. What? No protection, just pull. Update project. Hmm. 
This bar is like one of the most useless things in JetBrains IDEs. I love the IDEs, I do. There's lots of parts of them that I love, but this bar, I love, it just says updating. It doesn't tell you anything else. And then it's like, you click on it, you expect more stuff and you get like one extra word, update project, instead of just update. Nothing extra in this bar. It's like it never really fills in. It always just does this kind of uh, plasma thing. I don't even. That may not come through the stream. Truthfully, I don't know. Are we like stuck or something? We having so much trouble. I mean, I guess I never pulled main either. It's not, it's not updating main and doing a bunch of stuff, is it? Okay, finally, here we go. Oh, I can't close this now? Interesting. This is in front of it technically, but not actually. That's funny. You do it over here? No. Okay, well, you can hang out there for a minute. Uh, we want remote. We just want to take remote all the way. Remote. None of that. Okay. Now we can finally try to commit and then it will run pre-commit before it does actually do the commit. Uh, fix contains string. Robert disguised as a progress bar, yeah. Yeah, it totally is. Fix contains doc string. Maybe we'll say tile grid. Okay, and then I believe this will fail the first time it tries. Or not. So why did it fail pre-commit up here, though? Ah. See, thank you, Scott. I don't know if Scott's watching, but thank you, Scott. What, um... Why does it not catch that, though? Because I did a pre-commit install just a minute ago. And then I did make a commit. And it didn't fail. It doesn't look like it ran, truthfully. Is it like in the wrong directory? Does it do... Does it not work if you're in the wrong directory? I was in the root, though, I think. Commit install? Huh. Okay, well, that changes how I... Thought I knew about how that worked. Changes what I thought I knew about how that worked, I should say. Uh, where was that actually at? That was in um, module 350-ish.
Oh, you know what? It doesn't... Okay, okay, okay. It doesn't think that it's one of my changes, because I pulled it from GitHub, so my local pre-commit doesn't know that I made that change, and so it's not running the formatting against that file, basically, or against that part of that file, at the very least. So if I ran pre-commit run all, it would run... Actually, I can do that, because it will... For a while, I was not using pre-commit run all because I thought it, it well, it, not I thought it was, it was formatting a bunch of extra files that were different, that they, they, they weren't formatted the way my thing was spitting them out in main, so then it was causing a bunch of extra differences. I figured out, though, I had the wrong version of something, black or, I think it was black because it was Python code, but I don't actually know for sure what it was. I had the wrong version of something, I updated it, and then it was back to being the same uh, as main. So actually, if we do run pre-commit run all, dash dash all, dash dash all, should not, it should fix the, the thing that was wrong, and it should not have a ton of extra changes. Yeah. Okay. Push successful. There we go. Did I actually ever put my test code in here? I don't actually have my test code in here. Probably should, so there's at least somewhere with it. It's kind of a weird, weird thing because it's not a library specific, so there's not a, not like a great repo place for it. I guess learn guide repos or something somewhere, but. I don't know, it looks like I, I think I stole it actually from the display I.O. learn guide and just added the one extra part to it with the, uh, the touch call there. There we go. Scott's making a guest appearance reviewing today on the deep dive. Let's see. Until they kill them like Skype, yeah. Absorb into something else, yeah. Okay. We'll let this one go. It'll take a while, I'm sure, to do uh, 
the checks on it, run the actions, but looks like we're pretty good there. I think, did Scott mention also groups, maybe? Um... Yeah, groups would be cool. You agree with that as well, yeah. I think it would be nice to have this on group, too. Group is um, a slightly trickier one because it has scale. And it's actually... Actually, group is a lot trickier because it doesn't have width. I think that's right. Let's look, though. I pass it? I must have passed it, right? Because these are before G in the alphabet. E, F, G. Yeah, there it is. Uh, so it does have a scale, which makes it a little trickier. It does have an X, Y. But it does not have a width property, I mean. It doesn't have a width property that you can access. Uh, like, intrinsically, it does have a width. It does still represent a rectangle on the display. But in order to find the width of it, you would need to loop over all the child uh, elements inside of it, all the things in the group, and you would need to find their x, y, and their width um, as well. How's it going, Scott? Thank you for the review. I appreciate you. Um, Yeah, group would be group would be trickier. Group would be really cool though. We I think that probably starts with adding a width property. Otherwise the code inside contains is gonna get pretty gnarly. But actually having a width on group would be really helpful as well. Even aside from contains, because you could also do stuff like easier it would make it easier to put it into the middle, like center it in the display if it had a width and height that you could look up. And I think the way is you would just, you would loop over all those elements and then find the one that has the maximum x plus width, and then also the one that has the maximum y plus height. Uh, the x and y are the top left, uh, the top left corner. I think there's a diagram type thing in this. I want to say, if not this one, well, there's one in label, but label is actually a little bit different. Maybe bitmap. Hmm. XY, the, the XY point is basically the top left corner of the tile grid is what we were talking about a moment ago, but this is bitmap, but it works the same, essentially. Uh, top left corner of the rectangle is where the XY is at. Figured from a guy was uh, streaming after it replied so fast. Yeah, group should just call contains of its children. Oh. Interesting. Then there could, there will be a region that is inside the group, but outside the children. I think, right? Because you have a, a group with a big thing, a big rectangle representing the group, but then uh, a small part of it, like in the bottom. 
alcohol contains on its children. That is a good a way to do it, though. It would be nice to be able to loop through all of them and do that as well, actually. That's not a rectangle. Where's a rectangle? Well, we have a rounded group. But if you have a group, and then if you had, like, one thing inside the group that was down here. Whoops. Because then the full group has to be the whole thing, but only this would be contains true if it looped over its children. And so then if you touch here, it would not, um, would not register. Group is more of a coordinate space. Yeah, I remember I've seen, I've seen your description of it somewhere. I don't know if it was an old PR or somewhere. I have read your, an, an old description of yours of it though, the coordinate space. Yeah, it's kind of like a ha it's kind of like a coincidence that it happens to also represent a rectangle on the display. Uh, it does just because of the nature of pixels, but it's kind of like secondary to its functionality. Um, okay, so let's try to make well, let's look on the Pi Gamer because I think I have code that does roughly what we want, and we can translate it to make it work on the Pi portal using our new contains method. We could actually also, we'd probably m modify the uh, Pi Gamer one if we wanted. It uses cursor control, which probably also could call contains, I think. Let's see what's on here. Um, what would I have called that? Probably slider puzzle, hopefully. This is the wrong, this is the right, this is the wrong device. I don't trust this. Refresh. Uh, okay, not the wrong, well, it is the wrong device, but it's because there's two, which makes sense. Uh, don't think of group as having bounds, it just contains children. Yeah, I, I see it the same way, but it does, because its children are have definite bounds themselves it ends up kind of like it does have bounds it just doesn't know about its own bounds uh, but it could like it could always like loop over all its children and then find out what its real bounds are or what it's like functional bounds are not even real because they're they're um, aside from being real truthfully they're not part of its real existence but they just kind of intrinsically exist I think Slider? Slider game. There we go. Slider puzzle. Uh, and then we still have this in tile grid test, so we can just leave that contains test, rather, so we don't need to keep it. Put this over. This will probably, it should fail the first time, because I don't have the right um, picture file. Oh, and it's also still set up for cursor control. So let's start, let's uh, hack it up a bit to not use cursor control. Well, let's let's run it once on the Pi Gamer and you can see what it does. I talked about it earlier and it's pretty straightforward if you've ever played those slider games, um, but we, we might as well show it as well, right? Let's do that. I put this over here. Uh, we'll go to the Pi Gamer. Gamers here will take whatever. This is some kind of radio stuff. Um, uh, 
This is, um, yeah, this is my radio message program thing. I think RFM random message pack. I called, what did I call this? It was like, uh, mail, something mail, mail, serial mail, CLI, something. I think I don't have a copy of it anymore, actually. It's, it'd be in the repo somewhere, but... Radio R? Is there R's for radio mail? Nope. Okay. So I'll make a copy. Code radio mail CLI. This is like Laura Radio's very, 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 very primitive email program type thing with an inbox and send to addresses and that sort of thing. Uh, very rudimentary, though. Okay, so we have this uh, Blinka photo, but the Blinka is all split up and the you know the the right parts are not next to each other and you kind of cursor around and you can click each one and it will scoot it to the uh the available space um some of the tiles are tough to see like this one doesn't have much on it right only the right side of the cupcake there is a little sliver um and i think this program doesn't um oh clicking the wrong button that's why I think this program does not, it doesn't play fair. Um, I think it will give you a jumble that's not actually solvable. So this is probably not actually solvable, truthfully. Eventually what I did is I implemented the B button, the other button, to be a cheater thing. So you can go B button, click on a tile, go to the empty space, B button, click on that, and it jumps the tile there for you. So I gave a little cheater way to... Uh, to finish it. What we really need to do is change the logic though. So when it jumbles it, it um, jumbles it into an order that's guaranteed to have a, a solution. But I think the easiest way is just make it use its own rules and just jumble a bunch of things a bunch. Just make a bunch of random movements. Um, tracking bounds could be a good optimization. I'd be down for that. I'll probably, um, I probably will tackle it one of these days because I would really like for a group to be easier to center. Uh, like if you have a group that is smaller than the display, it'd be nice to be able to center it uh, in the middle or vertically, either way. Uh, I like calling contain on the children. That way a group can be a sprite with a complex shape. Yeah, um, complex shape, I know, let's see. A sprite with a complex shape. Well, I think I mean I think it will always be a rectangle. Well, I guess I mean it's not necessarily supposed to be one way or the other. I guess in my mind I suppose I think of it as a rectangle. I think of it like oh I erased it. I think of it like this. Well, we could make this one square. Send this one to the back. So in my mind, I think of a group like this. Like the blue one would be a group and then the red one would be like a tile grid inside the group and you know you could have multiple ones and they're placed wherever they're at maybe one is up here and maybe one is 
you know, over here or wherever they're at. Um, and these can be different shapes and sizes, of course. And they could be tile grids or they could be labels or they could be, you know, on disk bitmaps. Well, actually, on disk bitmaps just use tile grids, but uh, shapes, vector IO things, they can be all of those things. Group isn't meant to have a shape, it's more to move things together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we so this code works fine on the gamer, of course. So we'll switch it over. Can unplug this? Did it cause I save did I save one? I save one onto the Pi portal? Yeah, I think I did, right? Because we ran it and it failed because it didn't have cursor control. Yeah, okay. So let's unplug the gamer. Yeah, there it is. Uh, we will turn off the gamer, which I almost always forget to do when I use it because I forget it has a battery in there. Uh, well, not by default, but mine does. to feed this cord through without wrecking anything here. Oh no, camera died. Oh, let's see. Very blurry. I still have this one. Is it actually still hooked up? Focus? Yeah, sure is. i that still works, because this is just like on a page in the browser just hanging out over there. And the whole server went away, but the page still sends post back when it's down. Odd parody. Uh, each tile is a child. Um, in the, if you were talking about in this example, like all these red ones would be, yeah, they would be children of the group. So the blue one represents the group, and then the red ones represent the, uh, the children. Um, and then really the outer bounds, like in my mind, the way it works is the outer bounds actually line up perfectly. So like in this case, it would actually be more like this. The bottom line is at the bottom of the lowest child, and the right edge is at the rightmost edge of the furthest, you know, to the right child. And the shadow is obviously not part of this. That's just kind of default way this drew, but um, this is kind of how my brain thinks about group. Um, in the actual API, though, it doesn't it doesn't know its own width or its own height like that. It's not meant to have the shape, it's really just meant to tie all of these, you know, children together to give them that common, well, two things, scale and coordinate space. That way you can move them all together uh, and then scale them also if you wanted to go bigger uh, on the scale of them. Contained in the computer programming sense, not visual in my mind. Literally grouping things. What does it mean practically? What's the use case of contain XY on the group? My use case would be making a super fancy button. You had a button that was a group containing like a, a background thing, a middle ground thing, and a foreground thing or something. You wanted all of those layered together. Um, theoretically, though, I guess at least one of those is a tile grid probably, so... Maybe that's not as uh, maybe that's not as good of a use case as as I thought it was. Truthfully, cursor control. So let's cut that out. We're on the yeah we're on the Pi Portal one. I unplugged the Pi Gamer. 
So that's going to cause red wherever we use cursor. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. That's going to make more red down here where we try to use it. Uh, so here is where we'll have all touchscreen stuff instead. TS, we need to initialize. There we go. Display. Do we have display? Uh, yes. Touchscreen import. Could return a child instead of true false. Ooh, that would actually be really nice. Then you could have multiple buttons inside of it. Just call one function and get back the one that was touched. That I would like, actually. That would be really nice. Because right now the logic, yeah, the logic right now gets kind of hairy. If you have multiple things on the screen, you end up with a bunch of like, does this thing contain the touch point? Does that thing contain the touch point? Does the other thing? It gets even weirder too with like the, the tab layout or the page layout uh, that I had been working on a couple weeks back because then it's like, you know, not only does this thing contain the touch point, but like, is it also relevant right now? Is it is it on the display right now versus not? If we had logic like that, where it could tell you, the parent thing could tell you which child thing is being touched. There's only one group visible at a time with those layouts, and so you could just get the currently visible group ask it which thing is being touched, and then handle that touch. That would actually be super nice for the, uh, as a way for the logic to work is some, uh, for like API touches. Uh, the API for touches, rather, for reacting to touches. I do like that. We don't really need this anymore. Cursor is clicked. I think I don't really need that. We can have if p, and then I think what we can have is like if if p, and then we should have tile grid. So we can say if tile grid dot contains new function dot contains p. Then we're gonna go inside there and do this. And alt-click we'll worry about later. Alt-click was my cheater button. Really though, you wouldn't need a cheater button if uh, I fixed the logic to make it give you a fair playing board anyway. Um, and then the only other thing we have here was this was getting the mouse cursor X and Y in order to basically tell you within the tile grid which actual uh, individual tile within the grid got touched. And so this, uh, basically, it's going to be P, but of course it doesn't have X, Y, it's just 0 and 1. I need to update my stubs. That may be all we need to make this functional. It's still going to be cheater. It's still not going to, it's going to give you boards that are not solvable. Um, but I think it will function. Oh, well, we don't have the image still, though, actually, so it'll crash because it doesn't have the image. Yeah. 
Uh, should have left the Pygamer in. That in, turn it back on. Back a little bit. There we go. Uh, bad here. Oop, refresh. There we go. We could use a bigger one of these on the Pi Portal as well. Um, this one is whatever size the display on the Pi Gamer is. I think. Actually, it's a little smaller. Yeah, there's a little bit of bar that's not. It's not used actually. What size is this actually? Blink a slider. 160 by 120. I think 160 by 128 is the uh, Pi Gamer display, if I recall correctly. I'll plug that. I do, yeah, I do like, when I think about that, I do like the idea of looping the children. So we would basically need, what other, are there other, there are a few other children that would need contains, because I think there's a few other things that can go in a group. Um, shape, does shape use a tile grid, or does shape go instead of a tile grid? I always forget about shape. I still have the display IO docs. Shape is a lesser used one anyway, truthfully. So, shape. Ah, right. This one doesn't have an example here. There is an example of this somewhere. Um, actually, I started a repo of examples. Did I ever put shape ones in there? There is a repo in CircuitPython.org of core examples. Module examples. I don't know that I, if I put shape, display IO. It does have shape in here. Simple test. Ah, you use a, you use a tile grid still. So that would actually work. That would work fine. I assume. As long as this tile grid knows, I, it must know the shape size, I guess. Vector IO, maybe? Vector IO objects? Those can get added directly to groups, I think, right? Planted the seed of an idea. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> a lot, I mean, in this case, a lot more of the seed, right? Because it's all built on display IO, which is also all part of CircuitPython. So, definitely planted a lot in this forest, for sure. See, it looked like I, yeah, this looks like it's working here. So, it's kind of small in the white washes out the screen quite a bit, and it's all tucked up into the corner. We don't consider all of those things, though, and we try it. Oh, it worked once. Pile index out of bounds. Oh, okay, I think... Pile index out of bounds. Interesting. 94. When we print. Interesting. Click to tile. Has been a while since I wrote this code. Divide. I wonder if we're like off by one error. 
Let's rerun it and just see if I touch outside of it. Because this should also be... Limiting it to only when I touch the full thing. If any, if any objects in a list, short circuits too. Oh, it was a comment back to here. I don't think I saw this actually. In short circuit, the O stop iterating as soon as any child returns true. Oh, inside of contains, yeah, stop, yeah, stop running after it. Yeah, that's a good point. So the for loop, you can have a way to bail. Yeah, I did miss that one. It's definitely true, though. Uh, okay, so if we click outside, does this crash? Or only if we click inside on something that it's not liking for some reason? No, it's fine out here. Okay. So we clicked once and that worked. Hasn't crashed. Click again and that worked. The left edge. File index is out of bounds. I feel like we should um, print clicked tile also. We're getting a negative one, maybe? Have something that was one based before and it's zero based now or something? That's kind of what this is feeling like. In CPython, at least, uh, I think any takes an iterator. I don't know if you use the list, you need an iterator or generator. Oh, we got it out of the gate that time. It was out of index. Two, three. Is that our print? Okay, I'm trying to use f-strings. Trying to remember to use f-strings. I have to like consciously think about it, but... I don't know if I showed this last time. Three three that time. So is it's not the left edge that's my problem, it's the bottom edge. Wait, what? Oh okay. This camera feed died again. I was like, that's not that's that's different. Okay. I have got to get I've got to get my downshooter sorted out. This phone, I don't know what's going on. Last couple of weeks, though, this phone just cannot keep running this camera thing like it has been the whole time. Tried, like, rebooting it and a couple of different things. Had no luck. A 
There we go. Generators are still hard. Well, let me check on this real fast as well, actually. Linux. Yeah, I can do that. Generators are hard for me to reason about in my head. I need to build a few to solidify. Just a for loop rotated by I over 2 into the imaginary domain. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to try the top one here. Actually, I get it right away with that one. And we said 4-2. Harder for me to aim this way. Light's kind of reflecting it back on me. Oh, we are getting some weird stuff for sure. We may need to, oh, you know what we need to do actually is we need to use the calibrated, we need to use the calibrated touch values. Yeah, yeah, these are the defaults. Uh, we need to use the calibrated ones and we'll get this much, much better behaving, I bet. Um, I don't, still don't quite know why it's crashing. I suspect it's kind of picking up the touch further out than it really is, and that's causing it to crash, although I don't quite get exactly why that does cause it to crash. I would think it would be bound still and not have an index out of bounds, but it seems that I am wrong. Where I swear I have um, touch screen calibrate. Or code touch calibrate. So this I also dealt with on the stream recently as well. If folks are interested in this project, this is a thing that Seagrover made, member of the community, that will help you calibrate your touchscreen for you. We did some testing and some reviews on this, I think, on a couple streams last week. Folks are interested in this tool and kind of the history on how it works and what it's used for and stuff. Okay, that's looking much better. I got the uh, thing paused here, let's see. Oh, okay, not for too long, luckily. Contains XY group for child and group children yield. Child contains XY. Oh yeah, so write it as a, uh, an iterator there. Can we do um, like yield stuff from the C level? Can we have like the Python concept of yield? but it's coming from the C code. Should look into it like async IO or something. I guess I haven't really looked at any of that part of the core if it is, if there's anything like that in the core. Okay, so let's see if we're still getting some outlandish stuff here. 
The other thing is we could make this bigger. I do think if, I mean, the easiest way to make it bigger would be to scale the group that it's inside of. Uh, but that would throw off some of the math for the clicked tile. This would need to multiply by the scale somewhere. Would fit the screen nicer, though. We could also find a bigger bitmap, too. The cool thing about this is uh, you can actually just put any bitmap you want, right? So my bitmap is Blinka with this little uh, clue thing on it, right? The um, um, magnifying glass. Uh, and then I also put the cupcake one in there as well. Uh, but you can do any bitmap. You might, it might be, there might be code referencing the size, I guess. I'll have to, I'll have to do that maybe. There could be code that's like, based on the size, we can make that dynamic. But essentially it's very easy to swap in your own. So the idea is like, hopefully people could take this project and make their own slider puzzle out of it. Not necessarily just always use Blinka. I gotta tilt this because I cannot see with the glare. Oh yeah. Yeah, works way better now. Way better. I haven't crashed at all either. Uh, but that's so weird. Where, there? I mean, there must be a place on the edge. Okay, on the very edge does crash. Very edge. I th this feels off by one. Probably the very bottom edge crashes too, right? Surely. Let me catch up on the chat here. Uh, oh, also, Gordy G over on YouTube, if it doesn't have a size, you shouldn't be able to see it. I'm not sure where we were at when you said that. Sorry, I just noticed it. Lower level, contain iter, init, iter, next. Any, contain iter, nice. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll second what um, Tammy I think it was said up here. Yeah, generators. I don't have a lot of experience writing any. I think I probably would uh, if I did sit down and solve a few problems using generators. Probably would have a much better mental picture of how they work. I've used them a few times, but it's only been a very few times. Okay, let's try. Oh, bottom edge. That's what I was gonna do. Bottom edge. Huh, no, I don't actually crash on the bottom edge. Oh, left edge? Uh-uh. No, left edge works fine. Only right edge. Yeah, we must be off by one, right? We must be going farther. So it says click tile 4-1. Yeah, we don't have a... We, don't, we shouldn't have an index 4, right? Because it's... Uh, oh, we got the whole star together there. Uh, 0, index, 1, index, 2, index, 3, index. So we should, yeah, we should only have 3. Generators only generate the next thing as you need it. So when we crash it, it's because it gets to 4. Which means that... The touch X. Divided by the tile width, which is. 
Well, we know our width of our image is 160, and we know we have four... We have four tiles, so each tile is 40 pixels. So our touch X divided by 40. What is the actual E also? Let's do that. Feels like we're just touching like the very last pixel. And that is making us divide and be one one index too high. Of course now it's not gonna do it. There we go, okay. Yeah, we touched exactly on one sixty. Exactly on one sixty. And then because we also didn't have the touchscreen calibrated before some of our other touches weren't lined up exactly with where the uh, stylus was at, which means we probably registered at 160. Uh, so the real question is though, does that mean there's a bug in contains? Because that does feel like a bug in contains, right? 159 should be the last pixel that returns true, shouldn't it? I think so, shouldn't it? Oh, it wants a third thing here. It's going to ignore it, though. Yeah. True. False. What about zero? Zero, zero. True. 160... What was the height? 120? True. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a bug, right? How grid that is 120, uh, excuse me, 160 by 120 it's at zero, zero, so it's top left corner is zero, zero on the display. Which means its far right edge is pixel X index 159. Which means 160 is outside, it should not, it does not contain 160.
equal Yeah, we didn't account for the zero-based um, x, but the sort of one-based tile width, if you think about it that way, because you can't really have a zero tile. So these ones uh, should be less than... but these ones should still be equal because zero, zero is, that should be true, that does contains. If it's in the top left corner, if we moved it further away, of course it wouldn't, but yeah. This is the wrong one with the build thing. Nice. I'm glad this project uncovered a bug. Hopefully that, well, it wouldn't have finished running actions or anything, right? This is still here as a PR, isn't it? Yeah. One more change coming. I can't believe I hit the exact edge of that, too. I did do all of my testing on this I did do with the touchscreen. So I did not, I probably should have tested the edge cases better. I should have specifically tested zero and the exact width. Uh, probably negatives and stuff as well, honestly. What does it do if we give it negatives? That doesn't cause, like... I mean, it should be false, but it... I put it to bootloader mode. Yeah, we can't check it right now because it's in bootloader mode. Uh, luckily, we are finished here. Copy, yep, do that. This is the wrong file. Okay, so this should be false now. Yay! False now. Um, and like, that should still be false like this. Indeed. Yep. Um, negatives? Negative one? Yeah, false, no problem. One thing I don't know, like, none? Not a number? I don't know what that's gonna do. Okay. Be a lot worse. This is the other, like, this kind of stuff I probably should have been in the habit of testing, but, oh, wait, what's the problem? Oh, we're already, we're inside a string. Inside a string. Uh, and convert string to int. I already saw it though. Yeah. Okay. That's fine too. Okay. Those are all fine. And now zero zero is true, but one sixty one twenty is false, which is what we want. True. Yep. False. One fifty nine is still true. Whoa. One fifty nine. Still true. Yes. Okay. Whoop. Too many. 
right and bottom edges of tile grid contains. So this should run pre-commit automatically. But it should have passed, right? If we run it manually, we should have no changes. Pretty sure that sh that's supposed to be running automatically. And if it fails, then it then it won't this will not succeed. It will I don't know, it pops up a thing down here somewhere, I think is where the error comes. So yeah, we did pass. So we should be good. So I'm going to push that got the one change no more equals yep looks good Push. okay so unfortunately that does mean the actions are all going to run again but luckily we actually have the right logic now which is good Okay. 553. That's probably about it. We're probably going to wrap it up here. Um, I do still have a few minutes, so if there's like any questions or comments or anything in particular somebody wants to talk about or ask about or anything like that, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I'll play around with this for another minute or two here. But I think that's pretty much where we're going to wrap it up for today. Got the whole cupcake together there. That's pretty nice. Well, not the, we're missing the very top of it, but we got a lot of the cupcake together. I think maybe this little, let's see, where is the last part of the cupcake actually? I guess the two, I think. I don't have an easy way to get it over there though. I will say it does, I think I'm touching it with my other finger too, though. I'm having trouble aiming quite right. Yeah, there we go. As soon as I, if I look at it, instead of trying to look at the screen and like count for the angle and everything, I hit it and it does work pretty good, actually. Uh, no, yeah, the cupcake doesn't fit with that. I don't know where. Oh, I guess, well, the two, I suppose the two is the top but I don't think we can get it up there because of the way that it's uh, generating a bogus thing, basically. It's generating a version of the puzzle. Basically, it would be like if you actually had one of these puzzles, if you broke all the pieces out and then put them back in in the wrong order, put them back in in, in an order that isn't valid, basically, that doesn't have a an actual solution. The way it's doing it, I didn't really look over the code. I'll, I'll run through the code real quick because we do have a few minutes here. Um, and it's pretty basic code, as I recall correctly. So we initialize our touchscreen. This is all new stuff we added today. We load up the image, which is our BMP file. In our case, it's that Blinka with the cupcake and the star and the, uh, the magnifying glass. We create a tile grid to hold our bitmap. Um, 
let's see here for so you're get, getting a group and then looping over basically all the indexes that are in our tile grid uh, our tile grid is four by three therefore it has 12 indexes we're looping over zero through 11 essentially just adding them to the list that seems Gotta be honest, that seems a little wonky, right? I wrote this code a while ago. Because we could always just use range, right? Why would we need these in a list? In fact, we just loop again right here. Hmm. Suspicious, we'll see. Put them all in a list. Oh, okay, so I see, I see. It's putting them in the list, that way it can, like... It's, it's like it's taking them out of the hat. It's like, uh... It put them all in the list, and then it's going to choose one at a time. And by taking it back out of the list, it's making sure that it doesn't get chosen again next time. That's what's happening. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird. There's probably a better way to do this. That's how it works, though. We're putting those indexes in this list. Then we're looping over the same range here, the 0 through 11. We're looping it again. We're choosing a random choice from our tiles list, our numbers, 0 through 11. So we're choosing a random one of those indexes. We are setting the tile inside the tile grid at i. So the first one will be the top left one. We're setting it to our choice. Whatever our random index was, we put it there. We remove the choice from the list. That way we can't choose it again next time. We print for some debugging there, and then it's just going to iterate over and over and do the rest of them. So it'll put the first tile first, uh, you know, choose a random one, fill it in, choose a random one for the next one, fill it in, choose a random one for the next one, fill it in. Eventually it will go down to the next row, do the same thing, right, like that. Uh, on the 11th tile, the very last one, it will set it to the blank tile index, which in this case happens to be 11. Um, this is making a rectangle for the background. So the reason why the background is white is because we have created a palette for our rectangle. We put the white color on our palette, created a rectangle, put our white palette in it. We set it to the display width and display height. So it's the exact size of the display, put it inside of our group. And then we put our tile grid inside of our group on top of that. So we have our white background behind. We have our puzzle tile grid in the foreground. We show that group on the display. We don't actually have alt click anymore, but the Pygamer version did. Find blank neighbor. This, uh, this function will look at the four neighbors of a given location in the grid, and it will return, um, it will return the location of the one that is the empty tile. Uh, and if it does not find one that is the empty tile, i.e. if the location you passed it is not next to the empty tile, then it will return none. So if it's next to the empty tile, it'll return you the location of that empty tile. If it's not next to it, then it will return one, uh, none, rather. Swap tiles, this will basically, you know, take the thing from one index and put it into the other location. Uh, take the index from one location in the tile grid and swap it uh, into a, a, a different location. Um, that's where, that's the cheater. We probably don't need this in our version of the game either. That's like the alt click that I showed you that allowed you to just like 
kind of like take the tile out and re you know put it back in if you were going to cheat at that game uh, and then this is actually the part we did already during the stream so that's getting the touch touch point from the driver if it actually got touched if it's inside the tile grid including our new off by one fix finding out which specific uh cell within the grid got touched Again, we don't use that right now alt clicked bunch of print statements look for the blank tile look for the blank tile at, at all of our neighbors if we found it then call swap tiles with it oh so we do actually need that and then sleep for half seconds uh, and then there's another small sleep down there but that's all there is to it pretty straightforward program uh, is there any documentation that describes how bindings are implemented in circuit python what do you mean by bindings good question yeah i'm not sure either um in my best guess as to what that means is maybe the shared bindings like if you were making your own new part of the api um but that seems like a long shot possibly also so i'm not sure uh I, I will um, I will surely mess that up if I do try to say the first part of it. I do appreciate you, though, over there in Sweden. Great watching. Thank you, uh, Axel Magnus, over on, um, over on YouTube there. Definitely appreciate you tuning in all the way from Sweden. That's actually, that's really cool. Uh, that's really cool to hear. Good not. I assume that that's probably uh, translates to something like good night, I guess. If not, then I apologize for getting that one wrong. But uh, if so, good night to you as well. And uh, again, appreciate you tuning in. The way Python communicates with C. Okay, yeah, that is basically a shared binding. Basically how these modules like display are implemented. Shared bindings and shared modules uh, folder in the repo. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I think um, I am not aware. Scott might be aware of more than I am, certainly, in terms of what exists and what doesn't. I am not aware... I'm trying to think. I'm not aware of any documentation that does specifically des describe and uh, document the the way that shared bindings works all the way. Um, so there's a visual. If you're a visual person, there is a visual, um, there is like a visual guide that that Kmatch, I think. Uh, Kevin, member of the community, made a visual guide. I think it's in like a PDF or something. And it it pulls in screenshots of the different parts of the code and it like highlights different things and then kind of like visually points you over to which other part of the code they match up with. So you'll see like C code in it, and then something will be, you know, highlighted or circled with an arrow kind of like pointing over to the portion of the Python code, or I think it's actually the docs, um, the Python docs, not the code itself, but um, it kind of like shows you what that part of the C code is responsible for in the docs. Looks like there is a little bit though. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Thanks, Tim. Good night to all. Have a nice weekend. Yeah, thank you for uh, watching, Paul. Thank you for all the cool stuff you've made as well. Um, and thank you, uh, and good night as well uh, to you. Uh, I'll pull this up. I'm actually... I don't know that I've seen this page, so this will actually be... It'll be interesting to get a look at this. I'm about to head out here pretty quick, though. So let's see. Common how. Adding IO support file layout. Oh, okay, yeah, no, this is definitely, I did not realize this page exists. I don't think I've ever seen this page.
Yeah, I should come back and read this, even if it is outdated a bit. I mean, maybe I can update it a bit, too, potentially. Like, I'm still learning some of this stuff, but... Huh. Yeah, that is helpful. Nice. Extending to CircuitPython. Someone's a learn guide. Oh, this I was actually just looking for this the other day, too. So I'm glad you linked this. I was just saying the other day, I think I may have been on the stream, it'd be really cool if we had a guide that showed kind of like Hello World of adding your own thing to CircuitPython. And that is like exactly what this is. It's awesome. I need to go through this better too. I am to the point where I can like add on to an existing thing and eventually get it working by just copy pasting parts of it and hacking it up. I'm not quite to the point where I can just write from scratch lots of this stuff. So actually this guide probably would help me get a lot further along that road. And this is called what now? This is called Extending CircuitPython and Introduction. Nice. I'm going to definitely I'm going to bookmark it over in Chrome because I do more, more of my normal browsing over in Chrome rather than Firefox. So let's do that. Boom. Done. Bookmarks. Going to definitely take a look through that. Okay, Python objects are C-structs under the hood. Keep it real. Yep, uh, take it easy. Uh, love the factory. Yep, thanks for the question, uh, Isaac Ben. Uh, appreciate you hanging out and asking questions. CircuitPython Dev is uh, the channel to ask about. Yep, this will copy the module, one module to start another. Uh, it'd be great to update both pages. Yeah, I may, uh, I may go over both with an eye towards modernizing them and updating them to the current, see if there's anything that's different in the repo, like file path and any of that sort of stuff these days, because it looks like it was a while ago. Uh, yep, you're welcome, uh, Seagrover. Thanks for tuning out. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Appreciate all of you watching. Appreciate everybody uh, hanging out in the chat and stuff. Thank you again to Scott for the review uh, and everything else you've done for CircuitPython, obviously. Thanks, uh, Seagrover, uh, for the calibration thing. We used that thing again today, so appreciate that. Um, yeah, everybody else that was watching, uh, appreciate all of you. Honestly, love the factory. Who else? We had a ton of folks around today. Uh, to Shippu, Tammy, thank you to all of you. Nerdoc helped me out with a couple of things. Uh, uh, Gordy G over in the YouTube. We had Beata over there in the YouTube as well. Thank you to you folks. Uh, American Buff, thank you to you as well. Uh, I will be back, folks, if folks want to watch more CircuitPython stuff tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, sorry, I don't know the UTC time exactly or how that converts, but if you look up Central Time and you convert 10 a.m. into your time zone, I will be back here streaming again, although I'll be on my own Twitch, and my own YouTube rather than the Adafruit one. I'll always drop links in the live broadcast chat, which is the Discord chat that is uh, on the screen down below me there. So if you hang out there in the morning, 
Um, I'll put the link over to Twitch and YouTube when I'm getting started. So uh, check that out. We'll be working on something tomorrow. Not sure what yet, but we'll find something fun. Uh, Sherry, thank you very much. It's been very informative. That's awesome. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Thanks, Sherry. Uh, and yeah, uh, have a good night, everybody. I will uh, catch you all.